Hello and thanks for tuning in to the Goals Allowed podcast. Today's show we're discussing the future of football. Uh, we're looking at whether Liverpool can keep their dynasty with City potentially getting a European ban. Also there's a few news stories uh, going on in the Football League. Uh, Wigan in particular stands out. Um, so yeah, looking at the future of football with Covid as well potentially affecting it. So yeah, really, really interesting show this. Hope you enjoy it. Going forward, obviously City have got the potential for European ban. You've got companies gone, David Silva's going, um, Leroy Sane's gone to Bayern Munich. Uh, what do you think of the odds of Liverpool creating this dynasty and, you know, say winning a couple of league titles, a couple of Champions League, well, adding more silverware and becoming comparable to all these fantastic teams that we've compared them to? And I think we've all come to the conclusion they're inferior to. I... I think they'll have a good few years yet. I think they're going to have some really competitive years. Maybe not necessarily winning loads of titles and all of that, but they're still going to be competing very well in Europe and for other trophies. I think Man United are going to come very good soon. Mainly because that's a really young team. It's a really good team. That's There are a few holes still in it, but it, the rebuild isn't quite as what it once was. Chelsea are also thinking are going to come good. They are also doing a very similar thing to United and they're making some good signings again. Both United and Chelsea are not taking big financial hits from this. Liverpool have an ageing team. Even if it's a great team, it's still an older team. It's, they've got some very, very good young players and their academy is one of the best in the country at the moment. But it's also the same. Here's the thing. Man United and Chelsea can probably weather whatever happens with their managers. I think if Liverpool lose Klopp, which he's not going to stick around forever, let's be realistic. He didn't stick around forever at Dortmund, and if he was going to do it anywhere, it would have been there. When he goes, I think this is pretty much done. So it's kind of Gerard's when he goes. Yeah, Gerard's the, the heir to that throne, but, well, he's not exactly winning anything. So you have no idea whether or not he's going to continue it. I'm sure he's a great manager, a great coach, and all of that. Like, I haven't heard anything that says he's, he's terrible or anything, but... Oh. Liverpool have got, it's not like with Ferguson and Man United, Liverpool have got a really good capacity, a bit like what um, City have had under Guardiola, a bit like what Chelsea had in those times under Mourinho, really good times, they're going to enjoy it while they have it, but it will not last forever simply because it's not designed to. What Man United and Chelsea are doing, if they play their cards right, they've got some real long-term success coming there. I really do think that. As much as I've been very negative about United over the years, I think they're finally starting to get a few things right, and it's because they're finally starting to get things like recruitment and coaching right. They're getting back to the basics. City, if they do manage to avoid a ban, have got it the best setup of anyone. They have the most money, the best academy, most players coming through, most ability to buy players, and just forget whatever the hell manager they want at any time. They'll be the ones who are dominant if they manage to avoid the European ban. But I have a feeling that uh, UEFA and FIFA are really going to want to actually make an example for once, and I very much hope they stick to their guns and the uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport, and if it goes to the European courts, do not let them off on that one. I don't think they will. I think going forward, it is going to be United and Chelsea that are going to be starting to push Liverpool in the the coming years. I can't see... like I know it's a fresh slate at the start of the season, Um, so the the 20-point gap means nothing come August but there is a gap there in in quality and I don't think Chelsea and United can sort of consistently be um, beating beating teams the way Liverpool have this season just yet I I think uh, give them another year 
uh, and plug in those gaps that are, are clearly needed uh, at both clubs. And then they can start challenging. United yeah. and Chelsea are only going to get better in the next few years. There's still a few years, yeah. They're still, United and Chelsea are still maybe two, maybe three years off where they're going to really start hitting peak. Liverpool have got some time. They've still got some time to go and really make a sort of generational defining team. But I, I, just don't, I, see, I don't see that it's actually built for the long term. It's built for a, a, sh- a short period, a short burst of success. Five years, probably, is what they're looking at. Five-year, really successful period. And then hopefully their academy starts to fill in the rest of the gaps. And they are producing great talent. But, yeah, I, I, I do agree. So I think Chelsea United are maybe Wolves, if they can really set things up in a really good way, could be competing soon. I, I think Liverpool are desperate for a bit of depth in the squad. I mean, you know, uh, they've got a fantastic first eleven. you know, better than anyone. But apart from having maybe an extra midfielder or two, I think, you know, if they lost Van Dijk or they lost Trent, well, they did lose Trent and uh, didn't play as well. But if Or if they lost one of the front three, like Mane, I think they'd really struggle. Um, and I think that they need, they need two or three properly good, you know, well, 12, 13, 14 who can fit in, play a couple of positions, a bit like a James Milner. In an attacking sense, as it were. Yeah, I think the, the big, uh, a big, the big question mark really in the next couple of years is clearly City. And you know, if UEFA uphold the ban, you, you know, quite a few of the players and possibly the manager are going to go. But they still, they even if they, even if they don't uphold the ban, a lot of their key players are. Aguero and, and Fernandinho, uh, Silva, they're, they're in the twilight of their careers now. They've got to all be replaced, and they're big names to replace. They, did, they clearly didn't properly replace company. I know Laporte is a, a, a good defender, but they just look so susceptible at the back compared to, to early, uh, previous years. They don't have that leadership that he provided. Um, yes. So that they're in a, a period of transition, uh, and I think a lot of weight is going to go on Phil Foden's shoulders in the in the next year. Mm-hmm. So it's a big task for him to step up to. I, I think if 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 we assume City don't get a ban, those top four positions—Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United—they're going to be quite a bit in flux over the next few years. There's going to be a lot of competition there. If a City do give a ban, I think the thing about the real big shift in the Premier League is going to be fourth through to about sixth. Because I think that's going to massively open up whichever club really has the ambition for it. And there's quite a few clubs at the moment who are set up to really start to penetrate into the top four and actually start competing. Wolves and Everton are the really obvious ones to me. That they have got some real potential to build on what they're doing and develop some really, really strong teams. Com- competitive teams seems that could one day be capable of winning the league. And when I say one day, I'm thinking, if, if, if Chelsea and United are in a sort of two, three-year plan, they're probably in more like a five-year plan. But I think that's going to be possible. But that's a lot of what's going to happen in the Premier League in the next years depending on how badly City get punished. Because any player with even a modicum of ambition, no matter how much they're earning, they are going to leave if City aren't in the Champions League. Because mm-hmm. if you're not in the Champions League, if you're just competing in the league, if you're a foreign player especially, you might find it harder and harder to be getting into your national team to go playing World Cups to prove you're the best. You, if you're at that team, if you're Kevin De Bruyne, if you're a player like that, you want to prove whether Messi and Ronaldo are likely to be retiring in the next few years, you're the best in the world. How the hell do you do that if you're not playing Champions League football? You can't. You've got to go to one of those other teams that will. 
Well, the the only thing you'd say for City is is, is Guardiola is quite a draw for those players. Uh, you know, players wanting to join. I mean, he said he'll stay. He'll leave. Well, that that was my question. Yeah, it's it's whether whether he stays. That's absolutely pivotal to them. I think Guardiola dresses up his personality in a very nice way. But you look at his career; he's a fucking mercenary, right? Mm. Let's not let's. He's he's no different to Ancelotti. He's a mercenary. Let's not pretend he's not a mercenary. He's saying, I'll stick at City probably at the moment because he hasn't got any other offers. He's not got anyone knocking on his door going, we absolutely need you at Juventus or whatever. Second, second that City don't get Champions League for next year, those clubs will be knocking. They'll be saying, right, you sure you want to stick around to that? We can, we can offer you titles, Champions League, all of that. Like, why, why, why is Guardiola going to stick at City and be champion of England when he can be champion of Italy, champion of Spain, champion of Germany and Champions League? Why is he sticking at City? What's unique about that? This, this is the thing about football fans is we're deluded and we're mental most of the time in which we sort of forget that these managers, these players, these coaches do not have the same adoration of our clubs as we do. For them, it's a job. They're going to go to a place where they get paid the most, where they compete the most, where they can win the most, they can prove the most. For Guardiola, if they're not in the Champions League, that's not City. Right? For Kevin De Bruyne, that's not City. For these best players, it's not City if they're not in the Champions League. So they don't keep them. It's it's as brutal as if you know it's like when when Southampton were losing all of our players to better teams, you know the best place they compete was not Southampton. That's the reality of it. So they went somewhere else better. These big clubs often assume they're immune from that kind of thing because they're big. They're not, and it's gonna it's the same exact thing will happen to them. These players, these coaches, they will go to players where they're going to be able to compete more because they want to do the best for themselves. And when it's that situation, when you're not that club, when someone can go somewhere else and compete or earn more or whatever, they will. Because, of course, if, if it's your job, Anthony, if it's your job, Richard, you're going to do the same thing, aren't you? If you've got a capacity to go to another job, you're going to earn more money, you're going to get more recognition, you're going to have better prospects. Do you stay? Do you, do you say, yeah, I'm really loyal to whatever shit company I'm probably working for? <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm sure as shit not doing it, I'm moving. Well, it's not like he's got affinity. There's a slight difference for footballers, though, is that, like, as a, as a child growing up, I didn't have an allegiance to a medical educational company that I put posters up on the wall. So yeah, it's, yeah. right, all right, okay. Which one of those city you know, players, apart from phones, loyal boy, to City? If it's your boyhood club that you've you know you've been with since you know the age of six, and you know, you, you've basically just lived that club all the way through until getting into the the first team and such. There is a, an aspect of loyalty to them. It's not like a, a normal job. Yeah, no, no, but I'm not talking about those players. I'm talking about the, the game winners for City. So, yeah, Phil Foden will probably stay. The younger players will probably stay. Maybe maybe the likes of Aguero might stay, simply because he's already coming towards the end of his career. He probably wants to be playing a few less games anyway. Might not be the worst thing in the world if he sticks around at a club not playing Champions League football. But those players who are really trying to compete at the highest level... Why are they loyal to City? Are they City fans? Did they know City existed 10 years ago? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no chance. I'm no, sure Robinho remembered who Man City were when he was uh, starting. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I think we football fans sometimes forget that for these guys, for the most part, it is a job. I, I, I kind of hate that, but it is. That is the reality. And they're not going to stick at City if they're not in the Champions League. If City aren't in the Champions League, they will not be competing for Champions League places over the next few years. Surely it depends on the length of the ban, though, whether it's a year or whether it's five years. That you know, if it's a year, they might say, oh, they, you know, they're not bothered as long as Guardiola's staying in that. And they say, the other side of it is, if if this punishment actually gets followed through, suddenly City's entire financial model is no longer viable, 
and the rules about all of this are going to get tightened the hell up so this this can't happen again because they're going to have to they're going to have to avoid the potential for these kinds of appeals so suddenly it's going to be even less viable and City are not exactly a club that does great on revenues if we're not counting all the bullshit they pull so they can't well, actually not, stick not to not financial fair play by having um, no fans in the stadium though are they? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know the point is, is, is it's not like Man United where they're actually kind of built for long term even if it's not necessarily always that football focused they are built for long term Chelsea again they've, they've at least got a really stable fan base and they do have the history Man City don't have a lot if you pull the money away if you pull the money away if you pull the prestige away they've really not got anything there it's hollow and this little thing is one of the things that might break it might crack that egg and to be honest, it can happen to a more deserving club. I really hope it does, and they deserve it. What, I don't think you like just want to see really going to Maya. <laughs> <laughs> I like Burnley. Chelsea. <laughs> 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 no, no, I said Chelsea United are going to do fine. I said Liverpool will be, you know, fine as well. They might not compete as much. <laughs> it's, Covid, this is going to mess up a lot of clubs. Wigan got bought out a month ago. Now they're going into administration. Football's about to massively change in these next two years, colossally. And I think as much as there are going to be a lot of clubs that I don't want to see suffering, it's going to be a lot that I'm going to really enjoy. <laughs> in, in regards to, like, I just quickly mentioned the, the Wigan situation. What the hell went on with the EFL? to allow that club to be taken over a month ago on the fair and proper rule? I think, in all honesty, it's probably going to turn out that there was some fraud beforehand and they sold the club well, saying it was doing financially better than it was. Because, it, put it this way, if you're, if you're going to buy a football club, you're only buying it because you think it's financially solvent. I bet it comes out, it's the other end, and it's the people who sold, not the people who bought. People who bought realised, oh my God, we've been had. This club was just insolvent. There's some rumours that they've bet on uh, the club to be relegated, bet on Wigan to get relegated at 250 to 1 and put a load of money on that, or they've done it through a proxy or something. Whether that's true, I don't know. But I, I, think, that, I think the situation will be, if it's not, because they're in administration, they'll get a points deduction, but they'll, if they get done for fraud, if the previous owners get done for fraud and the club gets done for fraud, and it'll have to be the club that gets it done by proxy as well. Oh, they're almost guaranteed out of business. Because that's, that's, that's not going to be, you know, the light old the football authorities are having a real look at you. That's HMRC are going to go to fucking town and destroy that club. That, that is ruinous, if it is that case. And again, you've got to look at it from a financial perspective. Why would owners buy a club that was about to go into administration? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. Well, today, uh, there's been news that Macclesfield, uh, my hometown, uh, obviously there was a... The EFL asked for an independent review uh, of the situation at MAC and in regards to the point deduction. The independent review gave a two-point deduction and then thus uh, Macclesfield stayed in the league. The EFL have now uh, asked an appeal on the independent review that they commissioned because they want MAC down. Yeah, there's some messy business, isn't there? And I've, I've said this so many times, I think, on this podcast. There's corruption in football. We like to pretend there isn't. We like to pretend it's all spot fixing and cricket and stuff like that. This can, in a few years' time, we're going to realise how rampant it was. And when all of the financial misery of the next few years really starts to show itself, we're going to see it real point blank. And I think Wigan is a great example of it. What's going with Macclesfield as well, that's just... 
there's some really, really, really shady shit going down, and we're going to start to really see it. How do you appeal against an an independent review that you asked for in in the first place? Because they make up these rules as they go along. Well, there's the Tranmere Tranmere situation with the points per game, and they've uh, they've put a complaint in because uh, in, they're in, uh, the EFL put a tweet, uh, sorry, put something on Instagram and didn't allow fans to comment. And there's there's definitely a, from the looks of things an employee who's who's um, who's preventing debate and you know trying to silence Tranmere from the looks of things. Obviously, I don't know the full facts behind it, but but Tranmere definitely aren't happy with them. Problem is, is we let football generally just make up its own rules. The sport as a whole makes up how the sport works. And so for the rest of it, it's just down to general business rules and rules about fraud and taxes and that applies to every other business. So there's no real foundations to prevent a sport which makes billions and which money just flows through it and straight out of it like a sieve from having some real dodgy stuff. We knew about it with FIFA for years. Everyone knew about it. Even if people weren't getting arrested and they now finally are. We knew about it. Why do we think that's not in UEFA or the FA or the leagues or the clubs? It's maybe not on the pitch, right? It's maybe not on the pitch, but it's in every other element of football. And it's the one redeeming quality of the fact that COVID is probably about to destroy maybe a quarter of clubs in football that we're going to start to really see it. It's going to start to get really obvious. It's like it's like I'm drug testing. Most footballers get two drug tests a year. Two! That's less than boxes, and boxes are all on drugs. <laughs> are we kidding me? Like I said, this, the game is dodgy. We know it's dodgy. Who <laughs> are we kidding? Miserable note to end that one on. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. Really enjoyed recording it. Uh, as ever, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Goals Allowed Podcast. Thanks for listening. It's goodbye from myself, Shane Lees, and Richard Hudson.